Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are big fans of Billy Joel. <laughs> That's a good one. The Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. I'm just so proud that I remembered that part. And disappointed that we had to redo the intro. <laughs> well, we didn't really have to. We didn't have to redo the whole intro. <laughs> it was literally one word. <laughs> what? What did I say? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Thank you and good night. Yeah. This has been terrible. Goodbye. <laughs> oh boy. No, that was a good part. I can't wait to talk about that. Oh my goodness, yes. I think we should just jump right into it, because we've literally got like seven episodes to talk about. <laughs> we, it's true, we do. And I have, I did get some questions from people, which is good. So if we do need some filler at the end, I got lots. Well, Megan, we never need filler. What are you talking about? <laughs> Every word we say <laughs> is absolute gold. Well, I just mean like the length of our podcast is... Audacious to say the least. <laughs> it really, really is. Before Unnecessarily we go, audacious. Before we get into the crown, I think we need to talk about that dream that I had the other day. Oh, because I don't do. know if everybody sees our Instagram stories. And why would you look? We never post anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> which, fair enough. So, the other day, Kelsey and I were talking about a whole bunch of things. I think that was on Saturday that you told me that if you died, tragically young that you wanted me to play Drez Churchill's eulogy yes for the king yes I think yes. that was Saturday maybe Friday one of the two doesn't matter uh no it was Friday Christmas <laughs> it was Friday Friday yeah so <laughs> then we just like had a conversation that went way off the rails and I was gonna <laughs> screenshot parts of it and I was like I don't know how to explain any of this so I'm not no. gonna do it no there I was, was no sc- narrative flow <laughs> no I was gonna screenshot that part about the eulogy because I thought it was really funny but I was just like, ah, it's fine. Um, but then I had a dream on Saturday night that uh, Kelsey and I somehow were traveling with a group of people. And I'm not 100% sure if it was like current times or like in the future or in the before times. I don't really know. Um, it was not like, it wasn't like 1952 or anything. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure like when things were going on. And somehow we were traveling with a group of people. I think we knew all of them, but like, I don't know who they were. Oh, they were just, like, blank faces? Yeah, but, like, it's... Yeah. But it's... I mean, I wouldn't travel with strangers. No. Because I don't like strangers, so, like, it had to be people that we know. But anyway, somehow we ended up... We were staying at TJ Oshie's house. And everybody in this group, and there was, like, 20 people, we were all staying at TJ Oshie's house, and the only two people to not, like, stay the full length of the trip were Kelsey and I, because he did not like being called Timothy Jimothy. Like, really, not even a little bit. Can you blame him? <laughs> no, not at all. But, like, we got kicked out, and Kelsey was very upset, like, indignant that we got kicked out. And she said, like, how dare he? <laughs> Does he not know we're queens of comedy? And it's just like, oh, oh, we are, are we? Uh... It was a great dream. Speaking of queens, let's go. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know where to start with. This season, I, I, <laughs> I'm just I'm looking just... at the 
eight second long silence gap on my computer, it's going to be good. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking, like, what's the best route to do this? Should we talk about, like, episodes we really liked or, like, things we really didn't like or, like, the narratives of each? Like, there's just so, like, there's seven episodes we haven't talked about. Let's talk about, let us talk about the evolution of Charles and Diana's relationship as seen through this show. Okay, thank and fucking can, Christ. And then we can come back to some of the other things. Okay, so I think you and I talked about on text maybe. I can't remember if they had... Oh, no, they had met. Yeah, because it was the wedding was when I ended off mm-hmm. with the last episode. Um, she's so young. She's so young when they mm-hmm. meet. Mm-hmm. And he is so much older than her. And not in like a... Like, it, it, she's like what? Ni- she's like 16 when they meet. And she was like 19, yes. I think, when they got married, right? Yeah. And it would be different if she was like 29 and he was 40. Very true. Or it but would be she... different if he was like 24. Yeah. But he's like... Thir- he was what? 13 years older than her? I think. Yeah. I think That's he was 31 lot. at the time. That's a, that is a lot. Wait, and especially for her, because she's, I don't want to say necessarily sheltered, but, like, her life is very small. Yeah. And she doesn't have the same, like, even though she's from, essentially, the aristocracy, like, she doesn't have the same, like, went to a fancy prep school, like, has all these expectations of her to fulfill Mm -hmm. a certain role in society or life like she's like volunteering at a school and being her sister's house cleaner Mm -hmm. like they didn't think that that would be a problem between these two people how they literally have zero in common Mm -hmm. do you think that she legitimately thought he was attractive or interesting or funny at the start I don't think so at all you think it was just, like, the glamour of... Well, I think there's that. And I think one of the things they don't show in in the show is um, the stuff from with her family. like Because this is about the royal family. Yeah. Right? And so there's True. lots of stuff with her family that, like, we know she didn't have a great relationship with. Um, with her... I think with her mom. Until... Yeah quite a lot until quite a lot later ultimately uh and then she started getting along better with her stepmom and like there was a whole bunch of stuff and we don't see any of that except her like awful grandmother oh yeah right like we don't so we don't see any we don't see any of of her family really except for her older sister very briefly and then her terrible grandmother and then Mm -hmm. so i think that i would imagine and i don't know for sure and i don't know if anyone will ever know the actual truth but I would imagine that there was a lot of pressure from her family. To do with to, it because to, it's such a high honor? Yes. And and because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, you know, he, he's the heir to the throne. Right. Right. You know what? That makes sense. I just feel like, just like we said last time, like, if that's the case then, why isn't everyone fucking trying harder <laughs> Mm-hmm. To make it work if they're so goddamn crucial to the stability of the fucking nation. I know. Like, what are you guys doing? 
I really yeah. liked the episode in Australia, though, because it was almost like what could have been. Yes. Yeah, it was it was almost it was very idyllic in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um and sort of but in in other ways like I liked it a lot but I, in other ways I was really it was very off-putting to me. Because like you yeah, you could see like this is what might have been ultimately. Mm-hmm. But like look how far they had to get away from everything the place else. Yeah. In order for it to be like that. Absolutely. Yeah, there's just, there's so much to talk about. I just, like, I find it so frustrating that (sighs) Charles never fucking tried. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. A petulant little, like, piece of shit who didn't get the one thing that he feels that he wanted. Yes. And then just, like, had a tantrum about it. And continues to have a tantrum about it for fucking 11 years. Like, what the hell are you doing, dude? And also, like, the amount of people in his life telling him to fucking suck it up and do his duty and try, and he's just like, wah. (laughs) (laughs) No, he wasn't like, wah. He was like, wah. Wah. That's his dump. Oh, man, that casting is so good. Like, it is so he, good because I don't ever want to. So I don't ever want to see that guy in anything else. No, and that that's a testament to how well he played it. Yeah, cast it is because like yeah, Charles sucks. He sucks so bad, and it was so hard to find in even in the part of the show that doesn't necessarily focus on their relationship. Like, can you find one redeeming quality about him? Uh, like the only one. time, the only thing that I, I really liked about him to start was his, like, love of theater. Okay, and where, yeah. And when they showed him doing that, like, in college or whatever, like, that was obviously the thing that he loved the most. But yet. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, when his wife, like, surprises him for his birthday. With and does theater. This, with theater and, and, and yeah. like, the performing arts, he loses his shit. Absolutely loses his shit for in like the end. worst like, possible way. And I was so that that I was mixed on because I felt like I understand his perspective in in the concept that it's it is quite like selfish and indulgent of her to do all of that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it didn't necessarily have to be her starring in it and her singing and and all that stuff. But, like, that's how she said, like, that's how she feels she expresses herself best in, like, music and dance and whatever, whatever. And then Charles gets on the fucking phone and he just, like, badmouths her like she's an evil stepmother. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was just like, how, how can you not notice... That this is her trying her fucking hardest to deal mm-hmm. with you. Like, come because on. Because you are the absolute worst. He has no sense of self-awareness whatsoever. No, absolutely not. And it sucks, too, because, like, I don't think, from like what I know, like, I don't think he's dumb. Like, as a person. No, I don't think so. I think he just mm-hmm. hated her. 
Well, yeah, but but it but he but the portrayal of him comes across that he's just like the dumbest man alive, right? To like make keep he just makes all these blunders, ultimately knowing that like he's gonna get what he wants out of it. And I think that's the part that to me is like no, and this is the the part of the royal family stuff that like I know more about, obviously because it's closer, right? And like you know them splitting up and then the yeah. crash in Paris and all that kind of stuff. And so, like, the stuff when, like, seasons one and two, I didn't know as much about. Right. And so I don't know if I had necessarily as much of, like, a visceral reaction to some of it. But this stuff, I'm like, no fucking wonder. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, no wonder it was the media zoo that it was. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in the first few episodes, the show was extremely, extremely empathetic to Diana. And then there were some moments where she was painted as, you know, a petulant child Mm -hmm. herself being, you know, immature and wanting things that are not going to happen just as much Mm -hmm. as Charles was. But at the end, like, she tried so hard to make it work and she's brilliant on her like, representation of the crown and all of that stuff in New York. I nearly mm-hmm. cried. Mm-hmm. And all he sees as that is somehow a personal dig at him. At him through Camilla. Because there was that element of it as well, right? And and I think that that was the reason why they put that scene in there where she's like, no, I don't, or Camilla's like, I don't want the circus. Yeah. I don't want to deal with all that stuff. And like, I don't neither think... does Charles, so why is he goddamn upset about that? I know. Well, I know, and, like, ultimately Diana took the pressure off of him. Yes! By doing those things, and and going to New York, and, and whatever, she became that, like, sort of maternal figure that that is missing, that, like, empathetic figure. Yeah, totally that's missing, missing from, from the whole family. family. Yeah. And it still, like, rankled him somehow. That just... she had done so obnoxious and I literally when he said like did you not think how this would hurt Camilla I literally laughed out loud I was like you are the most insane person to ever live why the fuck would Diana your wife Mm -hmm. give two shits about the mistress that you have are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Yeah, absolutely. That was just absolutely absurd of him. Yeah, it was, uh, it was sure something. Because, like, it's one of those things, and, and again, I think, you know, we talk, we joke about things like this a lot, you and I, um, but, like, it's ultimately, like, the audacity of men. Yes! Like, to think that that every possible thing is somehow a slight Yeah, absolutely. And, like, so gaslighting, too. Like, you did this amazing thing. Well, actually, by doing this amazing thing, you've seriously hurt me. And why the fuck didn't you think about that before you did something really good? Like, what? Well, and the fact that, like, what she had done at the time was, like, groundbreaking. Yeah. Like, on a global scale. Absolutely. No one touched people with HIV. And, you know, for her to, for her to hug someone and just be like, you know what, I see you, ultimately. Yes, I see you, and and you're a human, and I respect you, and you're deserving of love and comfort like anyone else. 
Yeah, like, that's remarkable. Oh, man. Yeah, no, he, like, and that whole, that whole thing, and it's funny, too, because I feel like I don't really know where that came from. Because when you look at, like, the queen, right, and the way that she's portrayed, and the way that she presents herself, like, out in the world, right, like, what we see, I cannot imagine that sitting well, that kind of behavior sitting well. With who? With Charles with the or queen. with... You, like, like, the behavior from Charles, like, sitting well with his parents. Ultimately. Oh, and it's, but it's not. Like, she you know that fucking dressing down where she's like, no, we're gonna stand like privy counselors and I'm gonna fucking tell you you're being a goddamn baby and you're gonna goddamn listen to me, your mother. Like, mm-hmm. that was so fucking crazy of her. Because she's usually so, not necessarily emotionless, but I think more reserved than other members of her family. Yes, well, cause, and, and that leads, I think, into the stuff that she talks about with respect to, like, Thatcher, mm-hmm. right? Where she's she she's apolitical. Yes. And I think in a lot of ways, like, so when I, I, I like the stuff with, when they show her, excuse me, they show the queen, like, at Balmoral and, like, doing, you know, fun family things and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Because it shows that, like, sort of lighthearted nature of like what it's like that there's still real people ultimately and she's still very much a real person um i don't think all of her children are real people but she's definitely a real person um (laughs) but like so there's that and i think that that's a good thing that that's in there it's not just all the political stuff and the sort of very public things Mm -hmm. but like charles just doesn't have that ability to be apolitical as it were Right? Like, he's far too emotional. Yes. Yes. To to be the kind of leader that his mother would be. That's what I'm saying. And, like, I texted you, do you think her unwillingness to die is all punishment for all this shitty fold? <laughs> so... So I was, Diana, telling, like, I was telling Kelsey uh, before we hit record that my dad asked me the other day if The Crown was worth watching, and I was like, oh, absolutely it is. Uh, and we talked a little bit about it. And then we got talking about the royal family and how long she's been in, um, you know, she's been on the throne and whatever. And dad says to me, he's like, can you imagine just, like, waiting for, I don't know, 40 years for your mother to die so you could take over her job? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no. I said, honestly... I think the queen is going to outlast Charles somehow. She's going to be like 105 and then he's going to die and she will die the day after. Like, yeah, exactly. She will, she will absolutely hold out until he's dead or like rendered incapacitated and wouldn't be able to take the throne and then she'll just die. Exactly. And I think and then, it's almost like they're planning for that because they seem to be grooming William a lot more <laughs> than yes. Charles. Yes, absolutely. And I think, like, it is, I, it's it's funny to me at this point, because um, it's just, like, this weird, you know, sort of, like, longevity thing, you know? It's, like, it's, it is a battle of wills, and I think what we have learned from watching The Crown, and yes, it's fictional, whatever, is that the queen will win the battle. Yeah, she always does, just like Philip says, it's all about, like, she's, she's the goal, you know? She's the only reason we're all here, so. Yeah. Yeah. You need to fucking get on board because your job is to serve that. And if you don't understand that, then what the fuck are you doing? Yep, absolutely. But yeah, the, the stuff with Diana is, is heartbreaking. I'm really looking forward to like season five 
and the casting and all of yes. that, what's going to go with it. I think that's going to be really, really great. Um, I like Emma Corrin a lot. She, she's done a phenomenal job. I think of like that, that persona. Mm-hmm. It's almost and like you, a coy sensibility. Yeah. And you can really see in that, like what they saw in the casting in her. Yes. I agree. I was also really impressed with how, through the course of the show, like, she's, at the start, she's just, like, extraordinarily desperate and sad by how she's been treated. And in that last episode, when she's arguing with Philip, she looks like she will fucking take that whole goddamn family down. Mm -hmm. Like, her attitude is not even resignation at that point it's like (coughs) prepped for revenge almost oh yeah she is absolutely like unequivocally ready to just like blow it all up yeah and i mean and it comes down to the point like they have that conversation about how she's not no longer gonna see uh james hewitt anymore and then she's like fuck yeah i am like there's there's a very different like sensibility about her as that last episode goes on yeah, for sure. Where she recognizes that no matter what she says, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because Charles is still going to keep doing the thing and stepping out on her, so she might as well. Exactly. And even, like, Elizabeth alluded to that. She's like, in 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 marriages, like, compromises are made, arrangements are made. Things are said that allow you to, like, move mm-hmm. forward and move on and stay stable. And I was just like, why, why, why isn't Charles like, sure, go fuck somebody else? Mm-hmm. Like, why does he care that much? Because just because he doesn't want her to have a single iota of happiness? Uh, Is I think, that it? Well, I, I think it's that, but I think there's also that element of like, if he can't have the thing that he wants, neither can she. But he always does. That's No, thing. I know, but he can't have it publicly. Right? Like, that's the thing. He he doesn't get the say. He doesn't get the... He doesn't have the ability to be with Camilla in public. And so I think that as long as he can't have that thing that he wants, he doesn't want her to have the things that she wants either. Which is also horseshit, because at Highgrove, they just, like, essentially live openly as a couple. And mm-hmm. fucking all of Gloucester knows it and, like enables mm-hmm. it so it's just like Charles mm-hmm. you don't even give two shits about the public what are you saying mm-hmm. oh I know we I'm I know I understand the whole thing like it's all ridiculous and and the the thing that like I think really sort of gets to me when um when you think about it is that like because I texted you and I was basically like if Charles hadn't have been such an absolute like shithead then Diana wouldn't have died in that tunnel. Absolutely. And that's, like, there's no, you can't tell me that I'm wrong. Like, no. there's no way. If they had, like, a stable relationship that was not interesting or dramatic and sold papers. Yeah. Like, why, why would there be that type of chaos around her? hmm Like, there'd be no reason for that. Absolutely. It's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. Especially because, like, it seems as if she really comes into that, like, humanitarian that we know her 
as in the modern age because of all the shit she went through with this family. Yes. Like, everyone is so cold, no one shows love and humanity and affection and compassion for other people, and so I must go out and do that to the world. Yes. Yeah. Oh, manzies, it's so tragic. Well, and, like, and the other thing, too, that I think is, and that's one of the reasons why I sent you that, like, Mulaney clip from Seth Meyers, Mm -hmm. because as insufferable as Mulaney was... He was... In that, and he was. He was unbelievably <laughs> insufferable. I but, could not handle his attitude and his fucking no, sunglasses. Give no, me a break. Every, okay, well, the whole, like, premise of all of that, that coat he got was from, I can't remember what band it was, it was, like, on SNL, and they, like, gave it to him. <laughs> like, w- the lead singer, like, gave him the coat after... Like, Gabriel the, Byrne? Uh, the, I'm trying to... Oh, no, I don't know. I'm trying to remember who it was. Mm-hmm. Whenever he hosted most recently. Yeah, that was Gabriel Byrne, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, whoever it was, he got he got the he got the, the coat and that's why he's wearing the coat. But he's now writing back on Seth Meyer's show because he needed a job and like a routine, which I think is really funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, well, John Lane and I are the same in that respect. We there's... need someone <laughs> to tell us where to be and <laughs> what we need to be doing. He's also got, like, a well-documented addictive personality. And yes, absolutely. And I mean well-documented, I mean all of his comedy specials. Yes, true. <laughs> but what I thought, well, then that's why I sent it to you, because I think he made some, like, interesting points about all of this, is, like, that whole, like, media circus thing yeah. around the royal family. Like, he's not wrong with any of the things that he said. No, and half of it was, why should we care? Like, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Princess Eugenie moved into Frogmore Cottage. Who, who the fuck cares? I love how he called her. Just call me Huge for short. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just thought there was something really funny about that because he's right. Like we have this, we have this obsession with the royal family. No. Nope. In general, yes, right? I agree. And and right, and so all, and that's what the only reason I sent it to you because I just thought it was funny. Oh, that, yeah, like, and it was. Our favorite, that our favorite comedian was, like, saying all the things that we're trying to say now, but better. I don't know what better. <laughs> he was just, like, all over the fucking place. So good. Um, but, yeah, so I think, I think that, like, Charles and Diana dynamic is really interesting. Um, which is the older of the other two boys? William. It's An- no, no, oh. no, 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 no. Oh. Is it Andrew? Is Edward the youngest one? I think Edward's the younger one. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Andrew it's just an Ugh. absolute fucking disaster on like his yeah he's the one who married Sarah Ferguson because it was on his wedding day that he like whatever it was that he said and I was just like oh you fucking dick <laughs> I can't seriously like <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable and so many people attempt in his family to actually, like, give him some good advice. And mm-hmm. I think Anne does it the best. And he's like, I came here for kindness and you're giving me that. And I'm just like, why oh, the no. fuck would you think Anne, of all people, <laughs> would give you kindness? Yeah, motherfucker, she was being kind because she told you the thing you needed to hear. Yeah, and that you refused to hear over the decade and a bit of this marriage like come on yeah just absurd absolutely absurd and like and i've what i've also enjoyed this season compared to a lot the other ones is that there's there's more 
of a of a good split, I think, between the political and like the private. Yeah. In this one, because mm-hmm. you have like you have <laughs> this is again what I was telling my dad. I was like, yeah, season four of The Crown has Margaret Thatcher and Charles and Diana, and he was like, ooh, <laughs> like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a lot. Like, there's a lot going on in all of that. Ultimately, yeah. For sure. For sure, for sure. And I think it's really interesting, too, how they perceive those two things as being intertwined. When, like you said, Queen Elizabeth and the crown itself believes them to be apolitical. Yes. Right? So I thought that weaving together of those two different narratives were so interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk Thatcher? Yeah, let's do it. First of all, Gillian <laughs> Anderson. I'm, I'm just going to like roll right into it. Gillian Anderson, phenomenal. So like, good. So she good. She is incredible. I and read like, on the... Sorry, go ahead. I just... Uh, the, I'm thinking about like when she stepped down uh-huh. and cried. Uh-huh. Like just that... that that but not quite crying you know just but that like very restrained emotion mm-hmm. it was yeah it was incredible it was especially because it was self-imposed you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I think she felt that no one can see you emotional because it's going to undermine what people think of you but then I think I texted you like <sighs> If you wanted all those goddamn old dinosaurs in your cabinet to respect you, why the fuck are you cooking them dinner every night? Mm-hmm. Like, is that not mm-hmm. some sort of inferiority you are displaying at that moment? Like, I know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. It just seemed like, as an individual, obviously we disagree with her on nearly every single front. Um, but <laughs> yes, absolutely. but as someone who I don't necessarily believe would call herself a feminist, she certainly tried so hard to be a man. You know what I mean? Yes, very much. And so. to be perceived as one, and yet, purposefully or not purposefully, I'm not sure, fell into these like submissive female roles Mm -hmm. within that it was just it was so I don't know if that's you know a huge indicator of perhaps her political failures but it just felt as if the show thought that yes yeah that seems yeah that seems fair um but yeah there was a lot she tried so I mean her nickname is the iron lady so yeah. like there there's a lot to unpack I think just with that, mm-hmm. uh, and so like not showing, not showing her emotions in any capacity, was I think very expected right because as soon as she started to show any emotions, in her own mind, yeah it was lost that, yeah it was lost except for at the very end when she's with the queen again. Oh my god, that scene was fucking incredible. Like, Olivia Coleman, I thought, didn't have a lot to do this season. Like, a lot of what 
she did was reactive to like other characters dramas especially the whole charles and diana horseshit mm-hmm. um but i thought that scene was absolutely incredible and like well, and especially had her she... breaking down some barriers and like mm-hmm. acting and the queen like a breaking protocol person. yes where she's she like never does where she's like normally this is you know you know, given in the box, but here. And she, like, and in a public like, ceremony. Like, you yes. don't just get this in private. This is a thing yeah. that has fanfare and expectations yeah. for it. But I think, like, maybe that, maybe the show is telling us that, like, the Queen understood at least a little bit of Thatcher's sort of need for privacy. Yes, absolutely. In that, in that moment, right? And in that, in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that was just a really beautiful little scene. And it was one of the only ones where we see the two of them not at odds with each other anymore. Yes. Which is so funny because, (laughs) I don't know if you noticed, um, Thatcher barely says a goddamn word. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true, I did notice, and I thought that was really... It was just Uh, Elizabeth, just like... Going through it, which Thatcher just like, monologuing. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it was, I thought it was really well done, and I really quite enjoyed. Um, I really quite enjoyed that interaction near the end there. I thought that was good. I, I'm sad that there's no more Gillian Anderson on this show. I know she's just so goddamn good. She's phenomenal. I show I show my dad like the casting pictures of you know her as. Thatcher, and with a side-by-side of Thatcher, and he's like, they look like twins, and I'm like, I know, it's incredible. It's so creepy. Although I did read <laughs> an interview where Olivia Coleman said that the most times that she would break on set were opposite Jillian because she thought the accent was so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Just as, like, <laughs> a conceit on its own. Just hearing it and having to interact with it. Yeah. Yeah. So she was just, like, cutting up 24 subs. That's funny. It's funny, too, because, like, whenever, when I think of Gillian Anderson, like, you know, my, obviously, like, my big thoughts of her always as, like, Scully in the X-Files. And she was mm-hmm. occasionally, like, emotional, but generally very stoic and, like, yeah, you know, and this is just a very different kind of stoicism. Yes. Um, and at times I thought the accent was insane. I was like, there's no way. And... <laughs> I was like, there's no way she talks this slow. <laughs> like, how how could you be a successful politician if your sentences last as long as this? Because if you pause for just the right amount of time, people will still pay attention. Leaves the door open for interruption. It's so but if you stupid. but if you do it just right, it's very very persuasive. Oh god! Because found it found it just the worst. It leaves people. It, it will leave people waiting for the thing you're going to say next. I guess right? so. Uh, and so I think it was very clearly a strategy. I don't think it was anything other than that. Oh man. I didn't, I I enjoyed that last episode with her in it too, because I didn't realize that her leaving office was so, I assume she just would have 
I don't know why, but I assume she just lost in a general election, but it was like, mm-hmm. no, the party straight up kicked her out. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's and I mean, rough. like, probably rightly so, I feel like. Absolutely rightly you know, so. It, it was it, time. It seems like, <laughs> it seems just surprising to me that there could literally be a limit to the Conservative Party of Britain that's like, you know what, you're too much for us. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's absolutely accurate. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know that. I didn't know there was, I did not know that the limit existed, and apparently No, apparently it does. But that's a thing, too. Like, I don't know how much of her, her, her gender played into that, or just, like, her straight-up obstinate nature, like... The whole scenes with the South Africa thing. That was just fucking Oof. absurd. Like, it you cannot... Awful. You cannot interact on a global space and act like that. Like... No. What do you expect? Everyone to bend to you? I guess you're the fucking Iron Lady, so... Well, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That's absurd. Um, it is. Well, no. The whole thing was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the, it was... The South Africa stuff was, I mean, very clearly the beginning of the end, right? And and yes. so, uh, and I think they did a pretty good job sort of acknowledging that and dealing with that. Mm-hmm. It was also like a breath of fresh to see the queen being like so engaged with everything mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of her, <laughs> a lot of her scenes are just over lunch with Margaret and the queen mom. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it was nice to see her. Not necessarily doing duties, but, like, being incredibly engaged and aware of important issues. Yes, and understanding why mm-hmm. why this is an issue and why this is something that needs to be dealt with and, and you, we can't just leave it alone. And, like, ultimately what her place is in all of that. Yes. Because there have, there were, have been times over the duration of the show that you're not 100% sure that any of them understand what it is they're doing. Yes. And why they're there and, like, why they're given all of this power and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of nice to see that sort of play out that she recognized there was, you know, something that she... There was could a stand do. that she could yeah. take, ultimately. Yeah. Because, like, technically, she's not supposed to wield any real influence whatsoever. No. That was nope, so funny. she's... Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty pretty good. No, it was I enjoyed like all of this season. I thought it was wonderful. It was just a bit morose. Like there were very few points in this season that had some levity to them. Yes, that's true. And that's that's tough to go and especially I think because we're you're right, like, we're so kind of emotionally aware of the characters now, like, in this stage, like, they're getting closer to the modern day, so it gets a little yep. bit rougher and a little bit more knowledge that we have about them makes it a bit realer, and that's tricky, too, for us as viewers. Yeah, absolutely, because we're we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. Whereas, you know, in, like, in seasons one and two, not so much. No. And even season three. I did, as soon as I finished season four, I went and re-watched season one. (laughs) Which, you know, if you're 
doing nothing in a pandemic. Why not just rewatch a show you've watched a thousand times? Megan and the goddamn office. <laughs> you know what? Shut up. Nobody asked for your opinion about my television habits. Uh, like, not even a little bit. So, you can go fuck yourself, is what I have to say to that. Oh, boy. Oh, as always, though, like, one of the best, best episodes of this season was all about Margaret. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, oh, that, that was so heartbreaking. So heartbreaking for her because she's just like, all she wants is to do more and to be impactful and to have a role that she can fit into and help her sister out. And she's never let do that. And she's just so depressed so depressed and to find out that there are members of their blood family who are (laughs) treated even worse than her yeah and she has to like deal with that realization of i shouldn't be sad because there's literally people in the family who we pretend don't exist yeah and i didn't know that they didn't exist until this moment like that's fucking nuts Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That yeah, was, that was really tough. That was a hard watch. Apparently, there's a lot of that episode that's, like, not really rooted in truth. Um, I was reading. Oh, I, yeah. I totally believe that. It was just, that, like... Yeah, it's still... It doesn't make it any easier, ultimately, because it was still no. super shitty. Um, yeah. But apparently, apparently, a lot of that, that stuff wasn't quite accurate. Like, there are were, of course... You know, cousins who those the the characters were based on and whatnot, but they were presumed dead in real life, and like no one knew that they were still alive. Oh, like not even like the psychologist in that way that they yeah kind of entered the conversation. That wasn't yeah that wasn't gotcha. really real. Yeah, and so uh, evidently, like there was some other stuff going on. Yeah, family super wise, secret right? stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, she's just such a like many of the I was gonna say characters in the show, but many of the people that these characters <laughs> represent are just such like tragic, tragic characters for really no reason. Like yeah, have, like tragic characters for like bad luck reasons, ultimately, right? Yeah, like, and just to have that much wealth and and prosperity and to just be so sad about it all the time i know well i think that like and that's an interesting point that you make because i think it reminds us that like that whole thing about like money can't buy happiness is so true oh for sure for sure and like margaret's i think margaret i identify with like the most out of all these people because all she wants is to have a purpose like what she wants isn't much and she can't really do any of that because of who her family is. Like, yes. she's she's trapped by that structure, ultimately. Yeah. When, like, it really, just as we've said before, like, it should work harder to give her more structure and allow her to do those things. Mm-hmm. But, of course, it doesn't, which is just 
makes me upset, but it just seems so... It's just so hypocritical. They're always like, well, you gotta think about the stability of the crown. It's like, well, maybe you guys should help your fucking family members be stable then. Like, mm-hmm. God. Yeah, the stability of the crown is only important if the people who are holding it up are yes. also stable. Ultimately. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see, too, what happens in the next season with, like, as, you know, the kids get older, too. Because, I'm mm-hmm. like, obviously that's coming, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of how that all comes to fruition and how they're portrayed and What whatnot. I heard, this may not be super accurate, but what I heard was that essentially the last of the modern seasons were going to end with, like, William and Kate's wedding. Okay. And so, like, Megan won't be in this show. Based that's on, probably- like how much Peter Morgan had written at that time. Yeah, and ultimately that's probably for the best, all things considered. Yes, absolutely. I feel like that, that that's a good choice on everyone's part. Oh. But it's a good show. It's so good. It's, it's heartbreaking to watch at times. It um, is. And just absolutely awful at other times. <laughs> like, it's just like, what is wrong with these people? Um, yes. But it's, no, it is really good. It is really good. And if you've, like, started and haven't gone all the way through or, like, decided to quit, give it a try. Give it a try. And, like, the the first two seasons are also extremely good. Like, don't, mm-hmm. don't think that they aren't just because they, like, aren't this stellar cast. Like, Claire Foy is so fucking good as Elizabeth. She really it's is. just... Oh, she's phenomenal. She knocks it out of the park. Yeah, she's phenomenal, and uh, Matt Smith is really good. Uh, you can see Matthew Good for a little bit, which is always worth a watch. Always worth it. Vanessa Kirby is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's yeah, all of it is really good. It's very worth watching, and I'm looking forward to season five. Apparently, it's coming out in 2022, so... No, I don't think that's a real. I don't think that's a real year, but anyway, here we are. Because <laughs> I don't think this year is real. None of what has happened this year has actually happened. I think this is all bullshit. Are you saying that we live in a matrix, or are you like in a coma, and this is like, or is this like a Jacob's Ladder situation? <laughs> There's a lot of nightmare scenarios we can all walk of through. The above. <laughs> At the same time. (laughs) What if it's Jacob's Ladder in the Matrix? Of course it can be. Fuck. (laughs) Wow, that really hit me hard for some reason. It's the end of the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) We're we're finished. Kelsey doesn't know what to do now. Um, Yeah, no, I just... Yeah, this year is not real. Nothing that's happened this year is real. No, it's been tough. It's been tough, and now we're on full lockdown till the end of the year, which is good, because it yes. should have happened. It should have happened a long time ago. But, but our government is stupid. Yeah. And it's just, it's a rough time for a lot of people. I know that not everybody has, you know, a lot of positive feelings around the type of winter holidays we're approaching, and... Spending time with family or being stuck with family isn't necessarily a good thing for those people, but... Yeah. 
there's just there's just no other options right now it's it's out of control it is out of control and like at the end of the day right i mean i was in isolation last week because one of my kiddos uh tested positive so i was Mm -hmm. at home i was at home for 10 days and uh, let me tell you it was awful Mm -hmm. like being at home was terrible and it's not that I mind, like, I can be, I, I can do this lockdown that we're in right now, that's no problem. Because mm-hmm. I can still, like, go get groceries for myself. Yes. But, and like. do those kind of things. To have the inability to move freely is really, really, really tough. It is. It's, it was hard. It was, it was really, really tough for me. Um, and then I went back, I was in at work today, even though we're on a work from home mandate, because I hadn't been in. It was very unexpected, ultimately, that I was going to be at home. So, like, when I left on that Friday, I, like, didn't really clean up anything because, yeah, I had all the stuff that I needed, so I didn't really think too much about it. And yeah. I should have thought a little harder. Um, <laughs> this is what the takeaway is there. Uh, well, you didn't know, though. You can't blame yourself for that. No, but it was just, it would have been, uh, you know, prudent. So today when I left, I made sure that everything was looked after. Oh, okay. Really well. Um, just because there is... You know, who knows, right? There's there's a lot happening. Yeah. So who knows how long if I'll be... I'm supposed to go back in on Wednesday um, for some, like, because of some tech issues and whatever for the stuff that I'm teaching. So I'm going back in on Wednesday, hopefully, unless the government's like, no, no one's allowed back in ever. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Like, who knows? Who knows? Um, but no, the, the whole thing, you know, coming up on Christmas and stuff, I'm lucky I get to go see my parents. Mm-hmm. and spend some time with them because they're my people and that's fine um but i was talking to a, a colleague today who was saying that last week or the week before he was on a zoom call with quote all of my friends who have had covid whoa and i was like <laughs> what <laughs> yeah there was that's more a than two a phrase Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, there was at least three of them and possibly more. And I was just like, what the fuck? Is like, I know a couple Antonio? people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and, wild. I mean, I know a couple people, obviously, and I know some of the, like, the kids at school and stuff. But, like, I don't have any friends who have had it that I know of. Um, right? Like, none of my friends have tested positive and whatever. And I think a lot of that is because we're all just, like trying our best not to get sick yeah but also if (laughs) i don't know if i've said this on the podcast before um i don't know anyone who's had it but i think i've been so vocal about it that if people did get it they would be (laughs) embarrassed and not tell me (laughs) i yes i think that's probably true um i think that's fair I don't, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure I know people who have had it, but I just don't know that they have, right? And I think that's the thing. But it was just such an odd phrase with all of my friends who have had it. And I'm like, <sighs> Rough. Oosh. Yeah. Yeesh, McGeesh. Yeah, it kind of made me laugh. Because um, I was like, of course, your friends. Of course. Was this um, a younger person? Yes. Okay, gotcha. A younger colleague, yes. Yes, I understand. Um, and I, I mean, understand you know. completely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was just like, it was just one of those weird things. It's like, oh, yeah, all of my friends who have had it. And I was like, how many of your friends have had it? I don't, I don't But like, it. really lucky for them that they've all survived. Like, goodness. Yeah. yeah. From what it sounded like, they all had, you know, like fairly mild 
symptoms and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but one of the things he was saying is that they all have commented about the loss of their sense of taste. Yeah. And they've all experienced that. Interesting. And so when I was like sent home on isolation, it was like a whole big rigmarole. Anyway, I did not get a test because the last time I had been exposed to the kid was November 27th and I found it on Sunday, December 6th that I had to stay home. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'd have symptoms by now, ultimately. So then I just paid very close attention over the week that I've been at home uh, to whether or not I could still smell and taste things. And I can. Um, but it was funny. There were a couple times where I'm like, can I taste this or do I just know what it tastes like so I think I can taste it? Oh, interesting. Right? Like, that's one of those things. So I wasn't 100% sure. Uh, and so I had my dad. Uh, he went and, you know, got some groceries and stuff for me. And I said, just buy me some juice. And so I didn't look at what kind of juice he bought me. Oh, okay. And that was, like, very intentional. And then I opened it, and I just, like, drank it right out of the carton. And then guessed. Um, and then I was like, yes, this is orange juice. Okay. And it was. And I was like, okay, good. Because it's one of those things. Because, you know, sometimes, like, when you're not feeling great, um, and your taste, your smell and taste is, like, you know, a little bit wonky or whatever. Yeah. I was sort of thinking to myself, I'm like, is this what's happening to me? Like, can I actually taste this? Or do is I just think just that memory? I can? Yeah. 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 Uh, and then there was other things. I have a whole bunch of lip balms that like smell all smell different, and so I would take. I have like I had like a bowl of them essentially. All there were all different smells, and I would just close my eyes and pull one out and then smell it. I love the then, scientific testing you did on yourself. This is and amazing. I also, I also took my temperature twice a day just to make sure. Oh. I was like I was paying attention. You're you into know? it. You're doing a great job. Well, I wanted to be sure, right? Because I yeah. didn't want to, like, you know, what if I what if I had some symptoms and then, like, just was playing it off as normal winter, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, like, went to see my parents for dinner and that was that, you know? Right. Um, and I didn't want to do that. So, yeah, I took my temperature twice a day with a thermometer that I borrowed from my folks. And, yeah, I would do, like, the smell test every once in a while on, like, random sense of lip balms. And, and like soap, I had like two different Bath and Body Works soaps mm-hmm. side by side in my downstairs bathroom. And I took one out after like I got sent home and I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like smell it and see what, see what it smells like and make sure that it's right. And it was always right. So I was good. That was fine. That's so interesting. I never would have like tested myself that way I don't think so like that that specific symptom would not have been the one that I would have like hung my hat on well just having heard from a bunch of other people who know people who have had it that like that was the big thing right Mm. and so I was like I'm gonna that's the one I'm gonna monitor because it's also that time of year just like where the weather's changing and the pressure's changing and like my ears are all out of whack and you know which means that like you've got a runny nose all the time like yeah and so that's not really a symptom right but it is a symptom to track yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, but it is a symptom according to ahs and so i was like well shit (laughs) i better i better pay attention here to other things well, so I'm going to have to, like, take some good advice from that because I'm in my second trimester and literally every single day, 24-7, apparently hormones give me a runny nose. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's the if world you, I'm living in. If you are worried, just um, 
Yeah, take like a random thing that you know smells and like two or three other ones of, that are like the same kind of thing. Like lip balm is a really good one if you have different ones that smell different and then just like close your eyes, open one up and make sure that it smells what like what it says on the on the tube and you're good to go. I was going to say like I don't think the taste one would work for me because I've just ruined my taste buds with how much sour candy I've eaten in the last, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Nine weeks to counter some of the <laughs> nausea I feel 24-7. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to have to be smell. <laughs> it's going to have to be smell. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was it was just an interesting thing. And the other thing, too, for me, like, I live by myself, right? And so I wanted to make sure that I was keeping an eye on things. Yeah. Because there's nobody around to, like, notice, right? Right. That I'm, like, looking flushed or whatever. Because, like, I can't ever really tell if I'm not feeling well. For sure. You know, for sure. you know, and because it's just is what it is. And it never just it's never like a sudden onset. But I had read something about this woman in the States who lost her sense of taste, like in the middle of a meal. Whoa. And she was just like eating. And then all of a sudden her food like didn't taste like anything anymore. That's so bizarre. And I was just like, ha, what? <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. And also like yeah. scary. Can you imagine just all of a sudden in the middle of, like, something delicious, all of a sudden it's just, like, flavorless whatever? Goo? Yeah. Yeah. That would suck so much. That'd be awful. And, like, that symptom apparently lasts a long time, too. Oh, yeah. That's not one that easily resolves. I've heard lots of shit about um, patients my husband has had where, you know, they got COVID in the summertime. And they aren't well now. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a, you gotta take it seriously. It's a bad, bad thing. It's bad shit. So stay home, motherfuckers. I know all of you who are, all five of you who are listening probably do stay home, but like. Because you listen to podcasts for pleasure. (laughs) Yeah. And you listen to this podcast particularly. But Mm -hmm. like, you know, we're preaching to the choir here and we know this, but like, just stay home. Also. The out, what, what is good outside? Nothing. Especially not in the wintertime. Just stay home. Yes. That's my... Watch The Crown. You've got four what? seasons now to burn through. Watch The Crown. Watch The Last Kingdom. There's 974, apparently, actually, on Shaw. My dad was showing my mom how the, like, voice remote thing works. Oh, yeah. Because my mom... Anyway, whatever. He finally showed her, and now she thinks it's the greatest invention ever. Anyways... He just, he spoke into it and he said Christmas movies. Do you know how many Christmas movies are available through, like, Shaw? My parents have the HBO and Crave package, so that's part of it as well. And then they have access to Netflix through me. There are, like, 700 Christmas movies available on Shaw. Oh, God, I'm not surprised. That's, like... Well, I'm not either. But also, so many hours... How many days of... (laughs) How many days of Christmas movies does that count for? <laughs> oh, that's so many. Um, like, that's just... Oh, that's so, so, so many. I don't know why so you do many. that yourself. And they're all the same movie, so just, like, pick and choose, you know? <laughs> Not only are they the same movie, you and I wrote one once, remember? That's true. And they also star all the same people, too, so... It gets confusing after a while. It's like watching different soap operas and then, like, it's just the actors get recycled through and they're, yeah. like, on all of the different major soap operas. It's the same thing. And you're like, Where wait, you're just what? like, what? What's happening? Weren't you? Wait, huh? Who are you now? It's very much that, but just on Christmas movies. See, that's what's going to happen to me if I ever see anything else that Emma Corrin is in. 
Like, yeah, probably. It's really gonna freak me out. Or if I see anything else that what's his face who plays Charles is in, it's the same thing. I honestly like don't want to. <laughs> no, it's Just him. It's so so hateful. Just oh, he's uh, just the worst. Do you know who he reminded me of with his like sad mopey face is Ross, and he's in the like the first episode of Friends, absolutely. where he's just like hi, right? Not like even just the that first episode, just always. Just no, I know, but the the first line that Ross says is that, and that is how Charles is the entire season. Yeah, that's fair. And he, he well, no, that's not true. He vacillates between that and then just like outright having a tantrum, complaining to his mummy as like a thirty five year old man. Ugh. It also dawned on me last week, and I know I texted you about this, that uh, Diana died when she was 36, mm-hmm. and her life was just like a circus for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I am older than she was when she died, and that seems somehow improbable, that she was only 36. I know. And I think that's because, like, well, she loomed so large as a public figure, but also, like, it looks like she had such a large life. Mm-hmm. And to measure it out in only 36 years seems wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's really, that's really messed up. Oh, did you, did you see that Jean Le Caire died? I did. I couldn't believe that dude was still alive. Well, and I didn't, I knew it was a pen name, but I didn't know what his real name was. Yeah. Um, and then I saw that his last name was Cornwall, and someone I, on Twitter is like, uh, it was, you know, in like the trending topics or in the search or whatever, something about like author Cornwall dead. And I was like, oh, oh no. But then, I it was but the then, Last Kingdom guy. I did, except that he wrote the last book. So I was like, oh, good. And my first thought was legitimately like, oh, I'm so glad he got the book finished before, <laughs> before he died. And then I realized it was a different guy. And I was like, oh, we're fine then. <laughs> Not like. Not like, oh, oops, uh, maybe I shouldn't have had such a thoughtless thought. You're like, no, it's okay. He's still, he's still good. He's the still art good, will but still come. The artist. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like the Last Kingdom is his best series, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, that was my absolute first thought, and then my dad thought the same thing that it was him. Oh, and so was, funny. Yeah, and he was like, did he did he finish the series? And I was like, wrong guy. But yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you and I are the same, father. Yeah, no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was pretty funny. Um yeah, I didn't see that. And yeah, he was he was an old man. He was like 89. Yeah. I did like there's just I don't know what it was. For some reason I thought maybe I just feel like so separated in my life from the Cold War and that's where like a lot of his shit was set and written that I just mm-hmm. assumed that he was an old ass dude then. Yeah. But, yeah. That's, I think that's fair. I think that's probably pretty fair. Um, but yeah, I saw that. And there, I don't know, this year just is like, it keeps on, there's just hits all the time. It's just like another yeah. punch, another punch in the throat. At all times. My it dad is. was, uh, my dad was a little bit, um, sad the other, the other night because Charlie Pride passed away. Who's that? He was, he was one of dad's favorite singers. Oh, really? Uh, he's a country artist, yeah, and he was, like, just, he was a little upset, you know? Aww. As, as one does. And, yeah. and it was just, yeah, and so we, we listened to, uh, we listened to one of his CDs while we were having dinner, and it was nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Can I read you something that I read on Twitter today? 
Oh God, please. I would like your take. I would like your take on it. Okay, this is gonna push us to tears, isn't it? <laughs> it's gonna be really good. Okay, the tweet is: Parents are tyrants. Parent is an oppressive class, like rich people or white people. What? That that that's the tweet. The whole tweet. There were at the time that I screenshotted this at six o'clock, um, and that tweet had been made four hours prior. There were sixteen hundred and forty-one replies to it. Whoa! Um, and twenty-six hundred. And 83 retweets and only 464 likes. I think that there were a lot of people being like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Uh, the That's first like reply, a classic ratioed situation. The first reply that I saw was, yeah, so I think the way it works is if I have to spend three years wiping your ass for you, you don't have rights until you can at least help out with some of the bills. Which <sighs> is maybe a little extreme. Yeah. But then, That's here's pretty, the... That's pretty glib. This is the cherry on top of the shitty Sunday. Not, and this is a reply from a third party now. So we have three different people. Okay. Third party says, that's literally patriarchy though. No one asks to be born. No baby consents to that bargain. And it's not entirely avoidable because children need parents, but we should probably try to mitigate the oppression in the parent-child relationship if mitigating oppression matters. I also disagree with that. I don't think... Like, having a child is patriarchy because not just men and women have children. Like, Mm -hmm. that's excluding a whole whole generation of people who are now able to have children when they couldn't before. And to call them necessarily oppressive when those children are extremely and dearly wanted by those couples. Mm -hmm. And in some situations like struggle for years and years and years to be able to do that is just Mm -hmm. heartbreaking that's heartbreaking so it what is so anyway i i found it and i screenshot it and i sent it into one of my group chats and it's been just been hours now of just people dunking on other tweets in the thread um mostly and i'm not going to read any more of that but i just i when i read the first one that parent is an oppressive class. And I was just like, I don't think that's true. I don't, I, maybe in certain circumstances, perhaps, but like, by and large, I don't think that's true. And I was thinking of this morning when I walked into school and I walked through our student services um, office to get to the stairs to go up to my room and there was all of these like boxes and bags and stuff for kids yeah in our school christmas hampers and whatnot because their families have nothing yeah and i was just like no i don't i don't think that that that's the right way to classify that relationship no i also don't think that the concept of parent is unifiable enough to say a class like yeah that's fair if you're if you're talking about like economics there are clear indicators of what each class is divided into right you cannot mm-hmm. paint all parents with that brush when there literally is nowadays no singular conception of what parent actually is or means mhm like it's not a heterosexual 
classification anymore. Yeah, it's not heteronormative anymore. It's, no. There's so much more than that. But yeah, I read that and I was just... And then in my head, I was like, I feel like we've just gone too far. Well, now we're just saying... Now we're just putting words together for the sake of putting words together. No, I also think it's very telling about the person who wrote the tweet, right? I think it says mm-hmm. a lot more about them. Not necessarily... I'm not necessarily like, it's their fault because, you know, they hated their parents or whatever because... There are many, many situations in which children are not treated well by their parents, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to speak against that. But the just the the concept that their perspective on parenthood is as something that is oppressive is just really sad. I hope that person gets help because I think they've got some some things they mm-hmm. need to work on. Mm-hmm. I think so too, but it was just one of those things where I was just like, what fresh hell is this? Yeah, like, and it's one of those things where, yeah, I think you're right. I think this, like, fits along the thing of you were talking about a while ago. Things about, I don't know if you remember this, but we talked about, like, things about the left that bother us. Or, like, the far mm-hmm. left and, like, cancel culture for you was a big part of that. And... For me, I think this fits into that. Like, you cannot... Sure, let's wage a war against, you know, the classes and eat the super rich and and all of that stuff. I'm 100% on board. But, like, you can't paint that solitary brush against family units, too. That seems... Like, Mm -hmm. what else are you going to take away from us? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like... (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We've lost too much in 2020. Everyone needs... To fucking chill out. We have one battle we need to focus on <laughs> right now, yeah. and it's making sure that more than it's, it's against the goddamn patriarchy. Still, yeah. Well, but it's also like let's make sure that we don't needlessly infect people that we love. You know, like yeah, there are seems to be base minimum of standards that we're forgetting about. It's true. It's true. And one of the things, too, that, like, as I'm, you know, our, my work, um, my work situation has changed considerably this year, right? Like, just, I, when I went to school, I did not sign up to teach this way, and I did not sign up to do my job in this fashion, and, I mean, it is what it is, right? And we're all doing the thing that we're supposed to be doing, but, like, it's not ideal. No. And, like, let's not pretend here for a minute that it is. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know, I'm learning things about myself and how to do things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. you know and differently and like and be a little bit more empathetic with kids and you know remember like what is really important here what do we need to to focus on and and all of those kind of things and, and you know at the end of the day like I got a text message from my principal on Friday morning and it was very lovely and I don't know if I sent it to you but she basically said like you know thanks for looking after this thing that you looked after which I you know I did and one of the APs came and like picked up something and took it to school for me and whatever and you know, got that all sorted out. Um, and you know, and she's like, and thank you for making a difference in the lives of our kids. She's like, I don't know if you know how much you do. Mm -hmm. And that was just like a really nice thing Mm -hmm. because I mean, I, you know, I talked about, I've talked about it a lot. I love what I do. It's great. I love my job. And it's also really fucking hard. Yes, of course. At times. And, and you know, but what I've learned in all of this is that like, you know, if we have an opportunity maybe to be compassionate and empathetic then we should just take that opportunity yes it's not hard it's not hard to be kind 
And so instead of calling parents the oppressive class, maybe just like, you know, consider that for some people, their parents are the only people that they have. Mm-hmm. Right? For like sure. that's, that's who they're close to. And that's the only people that they can be close to right now because of all of this. And there's also, there's also so, there's, it's just a very, it's a very loaded statement. Like that doesn't take into account like generational conceptions and cultural conceptions of what parenthood means and how Mm -hmm. that's changed over time between cultures and peoples and like it's 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 an extremely extremely loaded statement that i just can't i cannot begin to fathom how wrong it is yeah it's a robot it might be it's up there for like the dumbest thing i've read all year Oh, for sure. For sure. And I have read a lot of dumb stuff. (laughs) Well, that's because you're still on Twitter, Megan. No, but just in general. (laughs) I just, just, there's, I've just read a lot of dumb shit. And like, I think that might be up there with the dumbest stuff Mm -hmm. that I've encountered this year. Yes, I agree. Um, which, anyway. Um, I have some questions if you would like to. Do some questions. I got some really good ones, actually. Okay. Got a lot of them. Let's do it. We're we're over an hour, so we okay. <laughs> we did we, it. We're onto the filler now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, how many of the new Star Wars and MCU shows will actually be good? That was a question from Reva. Um, I'm. Well, I really like the Mandalorian. Um, I. I think they will be good. Like, I know that everyone's really skeptical, especially since the Solo movie was such, Mm -hmm. just a debacle. Such hot garbage? Yeah. And it just seemed like there's a lot of problems top to bottom with that movie that, like, you change directors midway through. Like, there's a lot Mm -hmm. going on that I think contributed to that. But I think... What I really like and what I've really noticed about The Mandalorian and the new Star Wars 2 since I just watched the last three over this weekend, um, the commitment to inclusivity and diversity, mm-hmm. like it seems like it seems like they're finally figuring it out and they're making like a conscientious effort mm-hmm. in their storytelling, in their casting, like it... It just seems like they're doing a much better job than they have ever done in the past. Well, in their casting, but also in, like, who's producing, who's directing. Yes. Like, it's it's not just the on-screen. They're, like, kind of top-to-bottom working at... Absolutely. ...more diverse involvement, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And it just... It uh, seems like it's... It's given me a, a lot more confidence in like what's to come because it just seems like everybody's trying a lot i have watched zero of the mandalorian because i don't think i care i just never i I didn't have access to it when it first started and uh we'll see what happens but from what i know i feel like if disney were to announce a some kind of like a kid not a kid series but you know sort of like a adolescent series which was just like teenage Groot and baby yoda i think i'd watch that oh i i don't know how they'd communicate with each other from you know but i just i think i would watch it i think it would be great fun 
Well, I don't know if you've heard, but Baby Yoda has a name now. No, does he? Yes. She? It? He. What's the name? It's a he. Uh, the name, name is Grogu. Okay, that works perfect with Groot, then. Let's do it. Let's Grogu it. and Groot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a surefire <laughs> way to... Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, I think I would agree with you that, like, they've done a really good job of, of sort of representing, you know, in that, that diversity and in, in personnel, ultimately, right, and storytelling and stuff like that. And I think that's really good. What I hope, and I, I think that they're not going to do it because this is the safe play, but what I hope is that they stop trying to, like, service the fans of like the old stuff and the new things and just like make something good yes and i think like that's what i always yeah. hope for and then i'm always disappointed uh, see i think i think it i think it's changing in in the better for that reason just be just based on they are they're doing it bbc style and they're all like limited episodes so there's mm-hmm. not a ton of fluff and filler like there is a little bit like Boba Fett is in um, The Mandalorian, which is fine, but he's played by a New Zealand actor, and it's it's just like another way that they've cast really well to yeah. show the diversity of the world and a new take on a character that did exist in previous movies, but that we had never seen in this way. And like, that's fine. It feels it feels much more purposeful and thoughtful and i'm totally okay with that well that's cool that's good um i think uh you saw that that patty jenkins is directing one of the movies right no did, did you oh you hadn't heard that oh yeah I saw no that. which I, one yeah i can't remember it's a one about a pilot hang on i was just gonna look it up it's a one about um, a pilot yeah Patty Jenkins, Star Wars, Rogue Squadron. Oh. Yeah. And she says, what has she said here? It'll be hitting uh, theaters in 2023. Okay. Um, and what has Patty Jenkins said? Um, she says, when asked who was writing the script, the director Demir teasing that I want him to have his own proper announcement, so I'm going to wait till that comes out. But it sounds like they're uh, quite far along in the process. Yeah. Um, it's a notable project. It's the first new Lucasfilm feature following uh, Rise of Skywalker. Furthermore, it's quite possible this mo- new movie will have no connection to the nine movie Skywalker saga. Um... It's going to have a deeply personal connection for her, because I guess her dad was a fighter pilot. Oh, cool. So that's kind of cool. Uh, while also exploring the lives of a new group of Star Wars characters in an effort to make the greatest fighter pilot movie of all times. Um, she's got a movie about Cleopatra in the works as well. Yeah, I saw that, but Gal is... I know, and I don't know how I feel about that. Ooh, not the best um, choice. And obviously, when it was... Yeah, so there's that. And so she was pretty excited about... Uh, about that. Makes sense. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so that'll be interesting, and she was pretty stoked about about that. Um, but yeah, I thought you maybe would have heard 
about that. And then I saw some things about Thor, the the next one, which I think... We, oh, and, and Taika Waititi is directing a Star Wars movie, too. He sure is. He's directed a few <laughs> of The Mandalorian, and he was a robot in one of them. And his, like, reaction or whatever when they made the announcement, he's like, oh, I am? <laughs> in, I like, just, typical fashion. <laughs> I just love how irreverent he is and how... Like, I think I saw an Instagram post of his, and he's just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm just a guy from New Zealand, and they keep letting me do these things. <laughs> and it doesn't seem right, but it's not like I'm going to stop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's just... Yeah. He's always as so As long as they don't take away the keys, yes. I'm going to keep driving. Yes. Yeah. But he's just yeah, like, no. he's the best. He's so talented. Everything he does is brilliant. Yeah, he's great. So that'll be good. Um, I think some of them will be good. Some of them will be uh, not great. What I wish they would do would be a Killmonger one. I think that would be ideal. Oh, especially now. Yeah. Yeah. Hear me out. Hear me out, Disney. Make it happen. Um, Okay, you got some questions from uh, work, from network. Um, What are your favorite, like, Christmas, like, holiday specials or episodes of TV shows? Um... Huh. I don't really have them. Like, I don't particularly like specialized seasonal episodes like that because they just seem like they are almost fan service. Like, oh, it's Mm -hmm. also Christmas. Here's the Christmas episode. And it just, it always Mm -hmm. just seems so fake. However, I did just watch for the first time... The Muppet Christmas Carol. Isn't it so great? Megan, it was fucking crazy. I I love it. It was like, I love how... (laughs) I love how, um... What's his name? Michael Caine went into this movie like, I'm gonna pretend that there is nothing weird going on. He did. That was how he played the movie. He was like, I'm going to pretend this is the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yes. And it's just like, it's so incredible, but it just seems so incongruous, though, when you've got, like, Rizzo falling down a fucking chimney into someone's Christmas goose. You know what I mean? Like, it was just... Yeah, yeah. It was just so bizarre, but... Yeah, that one might be a new favorite, just how fucking... And, like, little tiny Tim Kermit. Oh, my God, yeah, he's so I know. cute. I just watched on the weekend uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh? Because um, on, I don't know if it was Saturday night. It must have been Saturday night. It was somebody on Twitter was saying that they had watched... said something about, like, hand-drawn animation or whatever, and that they had just watched it, and... It's only 26 minutes. It's on Disney Plus. It was very worth watching and it's so good. It's really? so well done. It's yeah, it, it tells it tells it's such economical storytelling oh, okay. because it's the whole Christmas carol in 26 minutes. Four kids essentially. Four kids. Yeah. And like little tiny Tim, like little most tiny Tim is so cute. Oh, um just something about like when they do that that it's just you can't help but feel endearing towards it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It was, yeah. And it was just really, really well done. Um, and I really quite liked it. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. And then I watched The Muppet Christmas Carol on Sunday, and it was fine. Um, but I liked The Mickey's Christmas Carol better. 
Interesting. I also am a fan of, like, in terms of Christmas episodes or whatever, holiday episodes, um, I like the ones they did on New Girl. Um, because they're, like, it's Chris, it's all around Christmas because they're all from all over the place and so everyone always goes home for Christmas. Right. And so it's, what I like about it is it's not usually, like, the Christmas day or all of that weird frenetic energy. It's, like the friends in the loft, like, having their friend Christmas before everybody goes home to have their family Christmas. Oh, okay, I see. And I kind of like that vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's also, it's not as, like, you know, kitschy and thematic as some of the other ones. Yeah, well, especially because, like, it seems like on a lot of the Christmas episodes that exist, it's just, like, they're trying to create, like, a magical, perfect day that just doesn't exist. Like, it it just, like, perpetuates that Christmas miracle myth mm-hmm. that I just don't, for some reason, it just doesn't resonate with me. So I always find them just, like, not necessarily distasteful, but just not interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I think the more interesting, like, holiday episodes are, like, Halloween episodes. Yeah. Or even think or even Thanksgiving episodes because the Thanksgiving episodes in the states like, you know, like American Thanksgiving is always just so batshit crazy to me. That, like, <laughs> yes. Seeing it on TV is always batshit crazy too. Like a realistic Christmas episode of a thing is all of the kids being mad cuz they didn't mm-hmm. necessarily get what they want and the either grandpa or weirdo old uncle is straight up blotto by 1 p.m. and mm-hmm. passed out by 5 p.m. Yes. Like, those are the realistic Christmas episodes. Yeah, oh, I absolutely. See. Well, and it's funny too, because, like, my Christmas experience is really, really quiet because mm-hmm. it's just me and mom and dad. And so, whenever I watch those things, I'm always just like, oh, that seems like a nightmare. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Right, Especially, like, just having like, more as a than child. Three people. Yeah. With- because you've got remember, so many different, like, parties just, like... And there's got to be, yeah. like, a high-strung mom who's just, like, fucking trying to make everything perfect and nobody cares. You know what I mean? Yes. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, convinced my mom, speaking of high-strung moms, mom gets very <laughs> into Christmas. Um, we convinced my mom that she didn't need to buy a whole turkey this year. Oh, good. Uh, so what she found at the store, I guess, were, like... Like rolled turkey breasts. Yes. I don't really understand. Yeah. Anyway, so she bought enough. She bought two so that I could take some leftovers home and she could still make some soup and you know those kind of things. Uh huh. And you cook them from frozen. You don't have to thaw anything. You don't have to do any prep work. They're all done and looked after. You just have to season them and yeah, put them in the oven. And they'll still take four hours because you're cooking them from frozen. Yeah. But that's okay. That's fine. It's because doing it's what not it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have to put a huge roaster in the oven, which means we can have two racks in the oven, which means we can like, you know, do a pan of stuffing while the turkey's you know, like all of those kind of things. Yes. So dad and I worked hard to convince her that she didn't need to. Because my suggestion was, well, why don't we buy like a small chicken instead of a turkey? Oh, sacrilegious. And, and no, and as again, like, then we'll pressure cook it. Oh. In the Instant Pot, and then it won't take very long, it won't use up any oven space, etc., etc. And then she kind of got thinking, and I guess she was looking through a grocery store flyer and saw these things and went to the store and checked them out, and she's like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Oh, good. 
So I'm very excited about that because those are the things that I like about those Thanksgiving or like Christmas episodes where like something terrible happens to the turkey or, you know, like that kind of stuff. I enjoy that sort of like weird stuff because it's never happened in my house ever. Yeah. Like one time we forgot to turn the oven on when we thought we were going to, so we didn't, it was just the three of us, so we didn't eat dinner until 8.30, but like that was the biggest calamity. <laughs> like it wasn't a big deal. And not much of a calamity anyway, because like... No. There's always 80 million things to eat other than the goddamn turkey too, like... Yes, yeah, so like it was fine. <laughs> it was just, so I, those are the things about like those Christmas specials that I like, is that like chaos that has never existed for you in our holidays no never it's never been that thing and now that like covid is a thing we don't get to go to my aunt and uncle's for christmas eve and let me tell you i am not upset about that at all oh fair see megan I don't need to see those people see i envy you and your non-divorced parents <laughs> life that you've had <laughs> there are some things about it that are absolutely phenomenal and holidays are definitely one of those things yeah Imagine trying to fit in going to four families on Christmas Day. Just think about I have, that. Just think I have about seen, it. I, ha- I have seen the movie Four Christmases, and while your husband is nothing like Vince Vaughn, you are an awful lot like Reese Witherspoon in that movie, so I can see how it could go south real quick. Oh my god. I've never been, like, <laughs> so honored in my entire life for all of the sentences <laughs> you, you just said. To say that Chris is not like Vince Vaughn just made me feel so good. And then you followed it up with the Reese Witherspoon dunk. And it's like, wow. It feels <laughs> well, there so you go. good. There you go. Okay. Um, other questions. Looking back on 2020, I don't know why you'd want to. But anyway, is there something in 2019 that you wish you had either done or done more of or done differently? I guess I wish I would have traveled a little bit more, maybe. That would have been a good idea. I think that's it for us. It's just the... Although I did travel a fucking shit ton in 2019, so I don't know when I would have had the time to do that. Um, Yeah, that's probably it. Probably just the travel, really. But still, that's like... It's a pretty fucking privileged... I might have sat on more patios in the summertime. Oh. You know, just like gone for more patio drinks and stuff. Because that's not really a thing that I love doing, but this year I would have done it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I feel like I... Given the opportunity. If I would have known, I probably would have tried to spend a lot more time with my sister and her family. Mm Mm-hmm. Knowing that we wouldn't get to this year. Yeah, I, I would have gone like to the farm maybe. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um... If there was a habit you wish you built, you could build instantly, what would that habit be? Flossing my teeth. Oh. Hands down. I try. I do. And, like, I'm I'm up to, like, every other day now, which for me is really good. But it's still not automatic. Sometimes I, like, go to bed. I'm like, oh, fuck, I gotta floss. Like, it's, like, one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. There's... Unfortunately for me, that's another fucking pregnancy side effect is your teeth, your gums just bleed 24 goddamn seven. Why do people do this to themselves? <laughs> well, you see, it's a bad idea. Did it. It's a bad idea. I can't wait to turn into a tyrant and oppress my child. Oh, um, I'm here for it. I can't <laughs> wait to throw this episode back in your face when you do. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> Um, 
I think for me it would just be like regular exercise, like actually committing to it. Because I used to be like, I used to run long distance stuff and just used to be much more dedicated and motivated to it. But it just feels so, I don't know. It's a weird sense of futility that this year has mm-hmm. brought. That mm-hmm. if I could just turn that back on, I think that's one I would have tried to do. Okay. What else do we have here? Well, what's a pop culture thing or content or like activity or social media or something, some kind of weird pop culture thing that you think you'd probably enjoy, but you've never seen it or done it? Oh, that's so a like, good question. Th- so the the question like the I got some examples was like like Game of Thrones like getting into that or you know stuff like that like what's something you think you probably would like if you like actually did it but oh if I like straight up took the time um oh that's a good question too I feel like Scandal has been trying to get me for years and years and years okay just as a television show um. Think. See, I'm pretty like I'm pretty self indulgent. Like if I think I'm gonna like it, I'll just do it. Like I I don't really restrict myself that much. I'm actually surprised at how much I've begun to appreciate the Star Wars universe because that was like absolutely not my thing growing up. We were a Star Trek family top to bottom, so Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. What's your answer? I don't know if I have one, because, like, I'm not the same where if, like, I'm not as necessarily as self-indulgent, but, like, if I just don't, if I straight up don't like something, I just don't like it. Yeah. And I'm not going to waste my time. For sure. Right? And so, in that respect, I, like, oftentimes um, really rely on other people's input about certain things. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, you'd like it or no, you wouldn't like it. But I guess... If I were to be, like, perfectly honest about it, I think probably if I actually put, like, just sat down and, like, played video games, I would really, like, get into it. Yeah. But I've just never really done it. Like, I bought an Xbox when I was 26. I don't think I've turned it on in, like, six years. <laughs> right? Like, I played for a while, right? right. When, and then, like, when I moved out and stuff, when I was, like, by myself here at home and whatever, had no and supervision, would, yeah. Had no supervision. I could stay up all night and play video games. Exactly. But, like, but, you know, like, I bought it, whatever. Yeah, I, was, I think it was 26. It was over Christmas. It was, like, on a Boxing Day sale. Um, and, yeah, like, that was it. Like, I haven't really done anything else like that but I kind of feel like if that was a thing that I was interested in I could probably quite easily you know really get into it just knowing how I get into things but I just have never really done it the only two video games I own are Madden 09 because Brett Favre is on the cover and Lego Batman so the Lego games are extremely fun they really are um I can't get past the fucking man bat, so here we are. That's oh. one of the reasons why I haven't turned the Xbox on in a really long time. Um, but no, I just, like, for me, it's I've always enjoyed video games. Yeah. But I've never, like, played them, if that makes sense. Like, the concept of it isn't abhorrent to you. No, and, like, I'll go to someone's house or whatever and, like, 
I can play and that's fine. But like mm-hmm. I have, I've never done, like I've never invested it into it myself. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. A uh, question from Jess. Do you think the distraction habits like crafts or video games or cooking or baking will continue in some maybe future when COVID isn't a thing anymore? Or will we just go back to the way we did things before? Um, no, I think, I think it'll stick around because I think people like have figured out that they actually enjoy doing those things because like we said, like if you didn't like it, you wouldn't fucking do it. Like mm-hmm. if you didn't mm-hmm. like baking, you wouldn't waste your time. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think they'll, they'll stick around. Like obviously, I don't know, I don't know how easily we'll all go back to whatever normal was. I think, like for me, I think there's a lot of, of kind of anxiety that I feel now about how, just how loosey-goosey we were in all of our social interactions. Oh my god, I know. And being with a whole bunch of strangers in like a hockey arena makes me want to fucking barf now i know it's just i watch some of the stuff i watch on tv or whatever now when i see like crowds of people i'm just like what are you doing yeah or just how close people talk to each other i'm just like back up (laughs) i know i don't like it at all it's very uncomfortable it's upsetting so i don't yeah i don't know i think like on one hand of it i think I think people will keep the stuff because they enjoyed it and it's become a new habit and whatever, but also that I just don't know how how much we're actually going to change and what a normal is anymore, really. Right. Right. No, I think that's fair. Like, it, we're coming um, on nearly a year of this, and it's based on what I've heard, it's probably going to be another year before we've got as many people vaccinated as we want to have so yeah like it's minimum nine months is like the fastest timeline that i've heard yes yeah so So we're looking like next fall yeah so i don't like that's gonna be that's a that's a huge time right like Mm -hmm. i kind of think of it as people who live through like the 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 total war countries like how how quickly did Britain stop rationing butter? Not very quick, you know? Like, that stuck mm-hmm. around. So, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not quite sure how much is actually going to change again. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. And, like, at the end of the day, I don't know... That some of the stuff that I think we've, we've kind of found ourselves into, I think, is not a bad thing. No, not at all. Right? Not and in ways of, like, slowing down and being intentional about the people you spend time with. And... Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. And I kind of, in certain ways, like, I was talking to somebody. I don't know if it was at work. It must have been because I don't see anybody else. It had to have been at work. Um, I don't know why I was pretending it wasn't. But anyway, <laughs> like, it's been very apparent in this last little while. Like, the people that, you know, I mean, I could probably delete half of the contacts on my phone. Right, right. At this point. I haven't, but I could. Mm-hmm. Because there are people that throughout all of this, like, I haven't heard back from. Mm-hmm. Or just haven't heard from at all. And, you know, and especially, the, it's not the people that I haven't heard from at all, but definitely the people that I haven't heard back from. Right. I'm just like, it's been nine months. Like, I'm sure at some point in time you could have. Right. It's also, I think that's one of the things that's going to last, too, is we're, we're going to have smaller lives. And I think that's probably a good thing. I think so, too. 
Um, I think I would like to have more than just my parents in my life. I love them a lot. Yes. Um, and, and they love me. Uh, but it would be nice to have like a circle of like five or five or six people that mm-hmm. I could see. You know? Um, it's but not at the same too time, much to ask. That's not too much to ask. No. But at the same and, and at the same time though, like I'm pretty okay with the idea of like restaurants having smaller capacities and like restaurants maintaining takeout and stuff even once this is over. Yeah. I because there are places that I like the food from but I don't want to go in. Yes. So if I could just, like, go pick the food up, that would make my life a lot better. Totally um, And so I hope that some of those things, like, stick around as well. Yeah. And other things, too. One of the things I found really interesting, because Mom and Dad and I were talking about this before we decided on what we were doing for Christmas and, like, how we were going to do dinner and stuff. Um, one of the things I said is, like, well, if you guys don't want to do the big dinner, I was like, we could order a dinner for four people from somewhere. Yes, absolutely you could. And, and I feel quite strongly that places that offer those sorts of things, I think, will do well mm-hmm. going forward if they maintain that. Totally I that agree. Be, I think that'll be something, you know, worth keeping. Um, okay. Here's... Okay. This is the question. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it, it's... It's... I'm going to read you all of this, and then I'll get to the actual question. Oh my god, okay. Would LeBron James be good at any sport? Yes! I just can't, just hang on, I just can't hardly imagine anything someone 6'8", 260 pounds of muscle who has speed, power, endurance, coordination, grace, and an excellent mind for playmaking wouldn't be good at. And, most importantly, if you entered all the world's elite athletes into a tournament and made them fight to the death, he would win. Would he win a Hunger Games? That's more complicated. But cage fighting? Forget about it. And then that was the thing. And so the question is, which athlete would best transition to other sports if they grow up playing them? But I want to address the LeBron question first, because I agree mostly that he would be good at any sport. I think for... He could not be a jockey. He's too much. <laughs> no. No. Well, <laughs> we need to define what sport is then so that we can have an honest conversation here. But uh, He would not be a good swimmer and or water polo player and or diver. No, too big. Just, yeah. I mean, like, height-wise, sure, but he's way too bulky to do any of those. Yes. Well. Like, I think I think he could be an excellent football player. Oh, for sure. And I think he could do, like, a lot of track stuff, too, just because, like, he's so incredibly athletic. Um, yeah. What... I feel like we need to concern ourselves with is the Michael Jordan situation mm-hmm. where this fact has been disproven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan is the best, the all time top, 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 top. And it's, it's, yep. <laughs> he's been a model for this already. So I don't know how much we can, counter those documented facts you know what i mean that being said though i will say and so the we the the, after this question came in we had quite a long discussion about all of that and came to the conclusion that basketball players are probably generally less likely to be able to transfer to other sports than say a football player or a baseball player hmm because basketball requires, like, just a different 
use of your body than football or baseball or something like that. Interesting. Um, and part of the criticism of Michael Jordan when he was playing baseball is that as much as as good as he was at basketball, and he could hit the ball fine in baseball, like he was fine at it, right? He couldn't, he didn't have enough torque in his hips because he basically had like weak hips. Oh, interesting. And, and the reason that that didn't matter in basketball because of how he moved on the court, right? And so having having that like, stronger lower core right because you can't be pushed around you got to be able to stay stable gotcha yeah but but he had like his hips were not like her were weak essentially um and so in it so to be able to like keep his body in the right position to put enough torque on the bat to hit the ball he wasn't quite as good as say bo jackson Right, whereas Bo, like Bo Jackson played professional baseball and professional football at the same time, right, which was fucking unreal. I like, think... just to stop and think about that is just absolutely like mind-boggling to me that he was able to do that and do both of them quite well. Yeah, and I think like we've seen like multi-sport athletes like in the Olympics, and not just multi-sport, but like multi-season, right? Like mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. had. Um, speed skaters become cyclists and and all of that happens and they do it with great success on both ends um it's just the thing about that is it's really tough to dedicate that necessary time to each Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. like how do you become an expert at one when you need to already be working on the other one 24 7 365 you live yes, it, you and that it, was you eat it. that was the other thing that we were talking about too is that like it is very very difficult to be athletically elite at two different things yeah right like you could be within your sport maybe and that's when we kind of got talking a little bit about like track and yes. field yeah. where you have like decathletes and whatever and you have like some of those guys are really 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 good at like say six of the ten disciplines yeah, and are, like, good to better than good at the other four, right? But that's a very specific kind of training because you're doing all ten of those things all the time. And you're also, like, essentially, like, averaging out your total score, too, at the same time, right? Like, it's not like yes, each one you're being individually judged and, well, you are, but I mean, like... But it's a cumulative it's total a cu- in the yes. competition. Yes, yes. Yeah, and and where you can have you you can have people play different positions in different sports mm-hmm. and whatnot, but it would be really really difficult to be like an elite baseball player and an elite basketball player at the same time. Yeah, you could do them. You could be an elite baseball player and an elite basketball player, but not while you're doing one at the highest level. No, I don't think so. Um, the Hunger Games thing just made me laugh. Would he win a Hunger Games? No. Probably not. No, I think, like, I feel like Gronk. (laughs) No, he's he's so dumb. But he's so, how are you going to take him down, Megan? How are you going to take LeBron down? Like, LeBron, if we're we're talking about Hunger Games as, like, a game of strategy. Yeah. LeBron is going to be. legit up dumb? He is not smart. Really? He's not like, he's not like, I'm going to eat Tide Pods dumb, but he's not smart. 
Like, he did a PSA well, about not eating Tide Pods. I know, so, but if like, that's our bar, Megan. <laughs> but, like, he's not, he's not the smartest. Um, and I don't think if you were, if you were to sit him down and have him talk about football the way that you could sit LeBron down and have him talk about basketball, right. it would not be the same kind of conversation. Okay. That's fair. If that makes yeah, sense. It right? totally like, yeah, it totally does. It totally does. But, like, yeah, you couldn't take LeBron down in the Hunger Games that way. The same way. Like, he's he's huge. Like, you just couldn't. And then it was funny, because when mentioning, like, how big he is, I was thinking about, because um, we were talking about, like, that elite athlete thing, and, like, when we got to, and then I mentioned, like, when Aaron Judge was in high school, he played basketball, football, and baseball. Right. And then had scholarship offers for both football and baseball, and then took the baseball um, scholarship instead of the football. But, like, when he was playing football in his senior year, he was 6'6", and weighed, like, whatever, 220, or whatever it was that he weighed, and he was a tight end. And, like, when you're playing high school football and you're 6'6", like, how can you not catch the ball, ultimately? Like, I don't know how you defend that in, you know? Yeah. Like, I just don't know how you would defend that. So, of course, he had people, like, paying attention, but obviously baseball was the thing that he enjoyed more and was a little bit better at. Right. Because he had, he definitely had more offers um, baseball than he did football. But I, you know, it, it, when you're 17 and 18 and whatever, you can do all of those things at that high-ish level. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, you definitely have to specialize. For sure. And I think it's also... No, never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so... I was just, it was an interesting conversation because I got thinking about like other sport athletes. But then the point was made that if LeBron had grown up in Kenora, Ontario instead of in Akron. Yeah. How different would that would be? He, yeah. Would he have been an elite hockey player? Right. Because part of what is, part of what is so impressive about him is just his like sheer physicality. Yes. Like he's huge. But would he have grown up playing hockey? And if so, would he have been like. The next Eric Lindros. With that kind of size then and that frame and those sorts of things. that's your comparison, though, in terms of quality? Oh, Eric Lindros, Eric Lindros was only... His career got cut short by concussions. Um, and we could blame Scott Stevens for that. But, um... <laughs> it's just fucking taking shots at Scott Stevens. That's what our podcast uh, is. <laughs> Eric Lindros... Eric Lindros would have likely been... Had he had, like, a full-length career. Like, you know a longer than average NHL career and been able to play out into his thirties. Well, uh, he would have been in that conversation of like, if we're saying that Wayne Gretzky was the best, mm-hmm. was Lindros better than Mario Lemieux kind of conversation. Interesting. Um, and so that was sort of the thing. Like if, if LeBron had grown up playing hockey instead of basketball, right. Or if he'd grown up playing baseball instead of basketball or football instead of basketball, but here's the Would thing, he I be... think I think there's a lot more to it than just athleticism, too. Like, I think... Oh, I think there is, too. I don't think there's any way he would have made it as a hockey star, because there's no way his family could have afforded him to be in hockey. Well, and that's the... That's sort of the thing that we didn't really address, but is, like, looking at circumstances and whatever, but if he had grown up in a hockey town... Yeah. ...and played hockey as a young kid... And shown the same kind of promise as a hockey player. Right. That he showed as, like, a young basketball player. Would he have had that same sort of... Would, he, would, would we have talked about him the same way that people talked about, like, Sidney Crosby? Interesting. Huh. 
in that, like, you know, in his, like, when he was 15 and 16 playing prep school talk. You know what I mean? Like, that was sort of the the direction that that question was going. And I thought it was an interesting discussion. And look at that. We talked about sports for the first time in 19 years. (laughs) (laughs) Look at us go. Reach for the stars. Uh, Yeah, that's all we got to do. Um, all he needs to do apparently is be better than Eric Lindros. I don't know. Um, I think we should stop because it's been a long time. Sure has. But haven't we just had a delight of a time, Megan? We have. It's been a while since we've chatted on the phone. I like that what we've decided to do with this podcast is just make people privy to our phone conversations. Totally, totally. (laughs) It didn't start out that way, but it sure has ended that way. Uh, it's true. Um... Okay, that's all we have for this week. Uh, you can find our things on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, not Google Play, but I'm going to say it anyway. Google oh, Play. Okay. All right. Because um, they shut down Google Play Music, that's all. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. There's a website, there's an Instagram, there is a Twitter. A Twitter. Uh, they don't get a lot of action. <laughs> not going to no. lie to you. <laughs> no. I think, like, 12 people saw the, the last Instagram story we posted. Yeah. Because we never post them. No. It's just, it's... No. <sighs> Don't you feel that there's just too much, there's just too much out there, and it's like, what are we even doing? Do you feel that way sometimes? Like... All the time. Have a Twitter and an Instagram and a website. It's just, like, people are going to use one of them, you know? Do you know what we need? What? Do you know what we need we need like in the office when ryan invented woof to like do all of the things yeah that's what we need where we could just make one post and it would just go to all of the places that's a good point yeah that's just and it would like have to learn though megan and i'm just not into it (laughs) and it would tailor them for the different like mediums so so, like here's the photo that we're going to use here's a caption on instagram and you could just like plan it all out and hit send and it would just like auto post in all the places. Megan, I'm too old to learn this stuff. <laughs> well, anyway, that that's my dream. I'll invent something someday. No, I won't. That seems like a lot of work. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs>